When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And what's up, everybody? Welcome in. GC Live Wednesday episode of the show. Wes Mitchell here will be joined shortly by Chris Clark. Uh, Chris actually currently caught in traffic. We uh, we got held up a little bit, so show is a little bit late today, but uh, show must goes on. show must go on. By the way, we will not have a show on Thursday for Thanksgiving, so certainly uh, wish everyone out there who listens and watches the show a, a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll be back at it at some point on Friday. We'll let you know exactly what those plans are, but certainly are going to have one more show before the South Carolina Clemson game. Uh, can't can't just leave you hanging at the beginning of the week. So we'll, we'll have something between now and Saturday. Probably will be our normal Friday afternoon. I would guess maybe one o'clock uh, market on Maine potentially. Uh, again, I'm Wes Mitchell. Chris will be along uh, momentarily. This show is brought to you by our good buddy, Clint Hammond. You can go to clinthammond.com for more information, 803-771-6933. If you're watching on the video version of the show, we're on youtube.com, Facebook, and Twitter. You see Clint's smiling face right there. He is the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network, the NMLS number is 71597, and his email address is chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. If you're in the market for a new home, or you just want to see about maybe saving yourself some money on a refinance, uh, Clint is your guy and uh, can help help walk you through what I would say is sometimes a difficult process. Uh, Clint will help make that easy. So again, Clint Hammond, our primary presenting sponsor here on GC Live. Welcome in as we roll ahead into, I would say, this, this is definitely one of my favorite weeks of the year. I got, I got to be honest, between... Thanksgiving, uh, definitely a top three holiday in my opinion. Top two on my personal list. South Carolina Clemson game. You know, the the weird thing is, and y'all tell me if I'm if I'm right or wrong, if you agree or not. I kind of feel like maybe y'all didn't miss the South Carolina Clemson game last year, just because the two programs were so far apart. And, you know, Clemson, if if the two teams had played last year, Clemson wins that game. That's obvious. So maybe maybe you didn't miss the game last year. Maybe you didn't miss not having, um, you know, South Carolina versus Clemson. But now that it is back and now that, you know, you you have, yes, Clemson's the favorite. But you go into this game feeling – like the Gamecocks, at least have a puncher's chance. And it, it just feels different. You you need, I don't know about y'all, but as a as a sports fan who grew up in the state of South Carolina, I've got Gamecock fans in my family. I've got Clemson fans in my family. Um the the state needs this game. Like this this game needs to happen. And uh so I, I don't know if y'all necessarily did miss it last year just because it, it would have been a South Carolina loss. But it is nice to have it back. And this is easily one of my favorite weeks of the year, not just because of the game, but because of, of Thanksgiving, because of uh, tailgating. The, the tailgating will be on another level, as you all know, on Saturday, just because you're going to have Lord knows how many people out there who are tailgating – that aren't going in the game, but are from the South Carolina side or from the Clemson side. 
and uh, it, it's just a it's a big party. So it's fun. It's cool. And I, I for one, am glad that that we've all got it back, and that that it's here. It's a few days away. Uh, I'm I'm obviously here solo right now, so I'm gonna go ahead and probably lean on y'all, take some of your questions, and and Peter rolling in on our Primal Gourmet chat line, PrimalGourmetSC.com, with an excellent point. He says, "I hate it didn't happen last year just because of the long consecutive run." Of years played, and, and that is a good point. Like that's for those of you who care about history and, and stuff like that. Um, it, it does kind of suck that you didn't get to continue. I believe it was what the second longest um, continuous rivalry game that that had been played every single year. And you know, you you hate you hate for something like that to, to happen. Obviously, so um, I, I get that aspect of it. Nikki Brown on Facebook. Weighing in, saying the first this is the first year um, I don't feel helpless or hopeless in a while, and I think I think a lot of Gamecock fans probably feel the same way. Uh, Rob Prophet says, "Build a statue of Shane and put it next to Big George if he beats Clemson." Um, Rob saying, "Go Gamecocks! Happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving from Craig uh, as well. Happy Thanksgiving to you, man. Hope you're doing well." Um, so let, let's dive in. If, if y'all have specific questions, throw them my way. But let, let's let's go ahead and dive in because Brandon brought something up here on our Primal Gourmet chat line um, saying, can we talk about Marcus Satterfield's presser comments? Um, particularly, he said he scouted Venable's defense and wondered what Venable's thinks of South Carolina's offense, what we do well, who we are, a little concerned. You know, th- those were interesting comments, Brandon. I, I think – and for those, I, I wish I wish I could play them right now so that y'all could hear exactly what we're we're talking about. But Satterfield essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, he essentially said that you know he he asked someone that he kind of wondered what what would Venables think looking at South Carolina's offense, and he said you know we're not necessarily a throw first offense, we're not necessarily a running offense because We've had to do a, a little bit of everything. And I, I think that is, you know what, I, I think that probably for a lot of you speaks to what your concerns have been about this offense for most of the year and that there there just really has not been much of a um, identity to, to this offense. And, you know, and, I, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to harp on that. I don't think this is the time or the place to harp on that. I don't know if this is the time to go back and talk about, you know, the entire season as far as the offense is concerned. We've spent we've spent more airtime than I would even care to count up talking about the offense and the issues within the offense. But to your point, that that is a that does sort of concern you a little bit that the offensive coordinator himself um, would have those same thoughts that that maybe the rest of us have had as well. What what is the identity of South Carolina's offense? Now, I believe the last three weeks we have we have sort of seen what what this offense is and and what South Carolina has to do to win games and. At some point, it is what it is, right? This is not an offense that's going to put up 50 points a game. It's not an offense that's going to put up 550 yards of, of you know total offense. This is an offense that has to grind out drives, that has to make some big plays in the passing game, and that has to at times just grind it out but but not go three and out. There's a difference in putting up – 21 points as South Carolina did this past week, putting up 28 points. You know, I'll throw the Missouri game in there as well, 28 points against Missouri. And, um, you know, got got some help defensively, um, you know, in the Florida game. But there's a difference in what, uh, as we bring in Chris Clark, there's a difference in not, not all 21 points are created equal, in my opinion. And – I, I believe, and, and even Satterfield himself said this, uh, you know, you have to 
you look at this offense and you don't expect them just to explode for 50 points. But if they can make some first downs, if they can make teams honor the run, which is what I believe happened against Auburn, South Carolina wasn't dominant in the running game against Auburn, but they were good enough. They had some big plays in the running game. They had a lack of negative plays in the running game. If you make teams honor the run, this is an offense that can grind out some drives that can at least not put their defense in terrible spots. Um, excuse me, cannot put their offense in terrible spots is what I should. No, sorry, y'all. I'm going to start over. If this was an edit, would edit it right there. This is an offense that has not put its defense in terrible spots, which was not the case prior, Chris, to the three weeks or that we've seen the last three weeks. So in my opinion, that has been the key. Has it been that they've gone up and down the field? Has it been that they've been outstanding at executing? No. But Satterfield even sort of admitted this, that this is kind of what they have to be right now, run the football a little bit more than they, they've thrown, grind it out, and play some field position, and at least give your defense a chance. Against Tennessee, they get, didn't give the defense a chance. Against Texas A&M, they didn't give the defense a chance. What you see right now the last few weeks, even though the Missouri game was a loss, I throw all three of those together. This is the formula South Carolina has to use right now to to win games. Yeah, I think you look back at the Auburn game, right? It's it's a great point that you, you can't expect this team to just explode. The explosive plays have been there only sporadically for this team. You haven't seen a, a consistent kind of spattering, I guess, for lack of a better term, of, of big plays. And so even look at the Auburn game and how Carolina scored in that one. You know, if you kind of look at South Carolina's drive chart, the biggest play, they scored three touchdowns in that game, right? I think the big, the longest play in terms of yardage was 40 yards, that pass for Zaquandre White where he, you know, weaved, you know, all across the field. That was that was maybe the longest play that I can remember from scrimmage. Uh, Zaquandre had a 28-yard pass. Um, we saw a couple 16-yard passes to Josh Van, a 19-yard pass. But South Carolina largely was able to get some chunks, some smaller chunks on the ground. They were able to move some ch- the chains. They had some first down catches um, that we saw. And then they also were the beneficiary of a very short field. I think they got the ball, what was that, at the Auburn 35. They were able to get eight mm-hmm. yards on first down with Zaquandre White. Eventually they drove it down. And then I think that was the drive where we saw the Trey Jones touchdown catch. Uh, or maybe it was the Josh Van uh, catch. So, you know, it has been more grinded out. This isn't a team that lines up and throws a 75-yard bomb and there's a touchdown on the board. We haven't seen that. Now, against Clemson, you know, pushing this forward and and bringing this current, I do think South Carolina is going to need to find a way to create some more explosive plays. And maybe based on Clemson's defense, not th- just this season, but just in past years and their style, when they have struggled defensively, what it has, has it been on? It has been on explosive plays. And so South Carolina is going to have to find a way to cause some confusion on Clemson's defense as opposed to the other way around and make some explosive plays. Obviously running the ball is going to be huge. This is going to be another week where probably one or if not both of us are going to be sitting here going, well, we need to find a way to write in our keys to the game. And when we're talking about them, that South Carolina needs to run the ball. But I do think South Carolina hasn't been explosive this year. I do think they're going to need to find a little bit more against Clemson because I think it's going to be tougher to sustain drives, a 60, 70-yard drive, I think is going to be a little bit of a tougher uh, go in this game. Yeah, and I, I don't um, – you know, I think the biggest thing for them is just uh, avoid avoid three and outs. For You know, that, that has been such an issue at times. Like, is this offense – even, you know, even against Auburn, it didn't seem like they – they didn't – as much as they grinded out drives, they didn't grind out – a ton of drives where you're going the full 80, it was more, did you at least flip the field? Did you at least give your – did you at least keep the clock running? Honestly, did you shorten the game? 
all drives are not created equal, and all all punt drives, all drives that end in punts, aren't equal either. If you if you go three and out because you have a tackle for loss on first down, um, an incomplete pass on second down, and a sack on third down, I'm pulling that off the top of my head, but I guarantee that was a sequence at some point in that A and M game. So that that's not equal to a drive where you have six plays, make two first downs, get to midfield, and punt it and pin them back. It, it's completely different. So to, to me, you look and again, you're not you're not gonna this is not gonna be a super efficient offense. But to me, it's it's avoid the super negative plays, avoid the three and outs, and hope that you can find those explosive plays that Chris is talking about in spurts to where you get just enough of them. And, you know, Satterfield talked about it, that he they're going to need Jason Brown uh, to, to go make some plays this week. And, you know, other than, you know, you look at the van, the van throw uh, for the touchdown, uh, beautiful throw as we've talked about already. You know, he had to make that throw. There were a couple of deep balls that that didn't hit but were sort of there, uh, you know, against Auburn. For the most part, South Carolina just said, we're, we're going to run the football. We're going to grind this thing out in the second half. Doesn't really seem like you can beat Clemson by just doing that, in my opinion. And and Satterfield said it. What what did you make? This, this is the question before you hopped on, Chris. What did you think of Satterfield sort of wondering aloud uh, you know, what What would Brent Venables think of Carolina's offense? And then sort of saying, in some ways he said what the fans have been saying all season long. He didn't use the word identity, but in some ways he said, you know, we, we've just done a lot of different things. I, I don't know what an opposing coach would look at when he looks at South Carolina's offense. Yeah, and that's been an interesting thing. Um, week to week, this team has looked different. And I was actually asked that uh, piece that I actually sent in. It'll be tomorrow on TigerIllustrated.com, if I'm not mistaken. Had a conversation with Paul Strelo, um, asking me some questions, you know, from the Clemson perspective, asking me about South Carolina, the matchup, what I've observed. And he asked me a question about the offense and its identity. And my answer was kind of what we've been saying here is that there's not really been a consistent identity. There's not been that one thing that this team could hang its hat on. We thought it would be the run game for a lot of the season that has not been there. And so it's kind of been a grab bag a little bit offensively. Um, Part of that is, is no doubt just an effort from week to week to find something or some things that work. And sometimes they've had that right against Auburn. You know, this has been talked about a lot. They found a couple runs, the duo and the counter, and they were working, and they stuck with them. We've seen some other little wrinkles here or there that we've seen some, and they kind of gone away. We've seen some where they've said, let's keep that in. But there have been some different things that we've seen every week, and this offense has evolved from the beginning of the year, lots of tight formations, lots of zone runs, et cetera, to what we see now which is different, you know, more gap scheme runs incorporated, things like that, Um, the Trey Jones package. I mean, there's been a lot of different things incorporated, and so they have put a good amount of stuff on tape, right? But I think more importantly than that even is just the execution part of it. Can South Carolina find something or some things that they can execute against Clemson and avoid all those negative plays? Yeah, I think, Chris, um, another – by the way, another – question that Satterfield was asked that actually has it's something y'all y'all have brought up before that the fans have brought up before that is sort of what what's up with Zaquandre White starting you know game one then disappearing for a few weeks and then being the best running back on the team in my opinion the last three weeks and you know, Satterfield basically said, look, there's competition every single week. And some guys caught up in their opinions, in the staff's opinion, 
during that that stretch. And then Zaquandre White has sort of responded and answered and and been the guy that the final few weeks. And you know, I, I think I, I I'm I'm gonna toe the line here. I'm gonna hop right up on the fence because I can feel the fans rolling their eyes, like, okay, this guy has averaged like almost eight yards of carry. Um, you know, he's been really, really good. And that should mean something that should matter. While also fully you know, admitting, saying, we're none of us are at practice, and that's not that's not a just well, you just blindly trust the coach's statement at all. But we all knew that there was that all these running backs have different skill sets, but all these running backs are talented. So you you only you know we talked about this off the air, Chris. We we always get comments from people saying, get the ball to this guy more. And most weeks, it's it's whatever running back didn't get the ball that past week. And I think what we have learned, though, is that getting four people of the football at that position, unless you are an offense that runs 80, 90 plays a game, which even then it might be difficult to get four the ball, it's just really hard to get a guy into a rhythm. So I think, you know, and I believe we already talked about this this week, Chris, but they tried to pare down the rotation, but then I think they were trying to figure out which two are the ones that should get the ball. Basically, at running back, in my opinion, you have you have two guys who you sort of split with, and then you have a third that's going to get in there but get less carries. Um, yep. So – they really struggled, I think, at first to figure out exactly what that rotation should look like. And now I feel like they've kind of they've kind of found that. Yeah, I mean, that can be difficult. I mean, heck, man, look look at Georgia, right? I mean, Georgia um, – I, mean, I thought this, and then I, I wanted to make sure I was being accurate, so I went and, and looked it up. You know, you look at Georgia's win over Missouri. They won 43-6. to six. Actually didn't run the ball very well in that game. We talked about that a lot leading up to, to the game, but – you know, Zamir White and James Cook each got nine carries. Doing and then behind right. them, it was, it was you know, Daywan Edwards. And um, a couple of their other backs got carries, I think two, three carries each. So it's not like they were really spreading it around too much. They had their top two guys. And Georgia is a running back room that, you know, has, I think, five guys who were – four or five guys who were like – at least high four stars, you know, all stacked up. And so a lot of people, like I was watching Marshawn Lloyd before the game in warmups the other night before the Auburn game. And, you know, we've documented he's got that knee brace off and um, he, he looks good. I mean, he looked really good moving around. He looked like old kind of high school era or pre knee injury freshman Marshawn Lloyd in terms of his movement, but he didn't see a lot of time. Neither did Juju McDowell, who at one time looked like the best back on this team. Was. So, I mean, it, it can shift over time. It, there's there's some nuance in these things. It's kind of like Jason Brown. Good argument to be made, and Shane Beamer has made this argument, and he said this publicly. You know, the time for Jason Brown, his readiness level was not there in game one. Now it's there to where they feel like that he's the best option. You know, now there have been some other injuries and things that have, you know, precipitated that move. Sure. But there's no doubt he's more ready than he was. Even with guys that are established, like Zaquandre White, I mean, we knew this guy's a good player. But you can go through those those ebbs and flows and phases. So uh, since he has gotten back in the mix, he's certainly kept a he's kind of kept a lid on it on, on that spot, and he's he's been the guy. And it looks like that'll remain the case. Well, I think. Um... He he's improved as the year has gone on as well. You know, it's it's not just it's not just. It, I mean, these guys aren't static. They're you know they they get better at times. They improve at times. Zaquandre White's an older player, but this is really the first time in his career, other than his year at JUCO, where he was consistently playing in college. And I, I think um, I think one thing you look you kind of read into Sats comments today. One thing that um, sort of just stood out to me was when, you know, Satterfield was like, you know, we, we try to get him to sort of 
play within the confines of things and, and maybe not bounce around quite so much. That 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 kind of stuff does drive coaches crazy at times because they want people to play within the structure of how they've designed things. But then you also just have to realize this guy makes plays. So at some point, you've just got to turn him loose and say, "Go make, go make some plays." He he make for every one or two that maybe he bounces too much. Maybe he also a couple of other times bounces one out that nobody even saw was an available lane. You know, and it, and it ends up being a big play. He he's actually a very, he's a very creative runner, in my opinion, and and the angles that he hits, and the the patience, you know, that that he has. So that's um, I know you know we've talked about the running game quite a bit already this week, but I, I thought that was interesting, the responses to that, and then what I'm sure a lot of the fans were were thinking um, when, when they heard it. Chris uh, on Facebook uh, asking is Jason Brown the consensus starter? Or will Beamer pull a fast one on Clemson? Jason Brown is starting the game Saturday against Clemson. You don't you don't beat Auburn in Florida. In fact, Satterfield made the statement, hey, dude, they're going to basically build a statue. Uh, you're going to be immortal around here if in your first four starts you beat Florida, Auburn, and Clemson. I mean, that, that's unheard of, man. So, yeah, there's no – there's no, there's no way on this planet that a healthy Jason Brown doesn't start uh, against Clemson on Saturday. Um, did you what? What else? What what caught your attention from these press conferences, Chris? Well, I, I wanted to real quick, Wes, to go back on something. I, I just thought of it. So you know, watching SEC inside last night. I don't know if you guys. I don't know if you got to catch it, Wes. Um, I don't know if people in the in the chat got to catch it. I think it just came on at two thirty. Uh, it re-aired, so you missed it. You might can go on your YouTube TV or whatever you got and go fast forward real quick. Um, I've got mine set to DVR all the SEC insides. Try to catch all the Carolina ones. It was a really good episode. I'm actually going to be riffing off that a little bit in the Insider Report uh, that I'm going to post later tonight. Some post Auburn thoughts, some Clemson thoughts, big picture stuff. Um, but that this is the first time we've probably said this already, but just to reiterate, this is the first time that South Carolina has beaten Florida and Auburn in the same season. Um, so it it figures that this would be the first time if South Carolina can pull it off that they beat Florida, Auburn, and Clemson in the same year. So uh, Jason Brown, yes, certainly immortal. Shane Beamer, I think, would also get a good bit of credit. Um, if they were able to pull that off. Wes, did you just get the notification that I did? And before I make my next Satterfield point, you want to tell the people what you just saw via email from the university? Yes, I will. Um, South Carolina versus Clemson, officially a sellout. Um, We should have taken bets on when it would happen because it it became clear earlier this week that it was going to happen. But um, according to the University of South Carolina, Officially sell out, of course, 7.30 p.m. And they, uh, I like this, a very not-so-subtle reminder that the Gamecock walk is at 5.30 p.m. So, that it, it is kind of interesting to me, Chris. You know how different coaches and different staffs, different regimes, if you will, sort of uh, emphasize different things around the program, not just on the field, but off the field as well. I feel like Gamecock walk – has been a Shane Beamer emphasis. Yes. Since he, he got here. And to the point of, you know, I don't know the exact rules on all this, uh, you know, but how much they can encourage them, but they, they make it very accessible for the recruits to know, hey, Gamecock Walk is going to be right here at, at this time as well. So the recruits, I believe, have been encouraged to watch the Gamecock walk as well. And by Beamer encouraging the fans, not just the school, you know, the school always says, hey, Gamecock walk is now, this is when Gamecock walk is. Making a special emphasis to say, I want the loudest Gamecock walk we've ever had. Um, You know, I think that was for Kentucky game. He he may have said that. 
and it it was massive. So even on on this graphic that South Carolina sends out saying Palmetto Bowl is sold out, it says Gamecock Walk is at five thirty. So they they want to send a message from the very very beginning. Um, yeah. Hey, be 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 there, but be there early. Yeah, it is. He's kind of made it his own, and and interesting you say that. I mean, I, I have heard more talk about Gamecock Walk just from being uh, you know around the stadium and people that I talk to. There's more talk about Gamecock Walk and it being kind of this event than I think there that I can remember. I mean, yeah, it's always been a thing, but the emphasis on it is certainly very heavy. Like you said, Wes, the recruits kind of getting involved in there where they're they're kind of walking down that same path too. And obviously the, the size of the crowd and how much of an event before the game it's, it's become has, has been pretty cool. So that's certainly something that Shane Beamer has emphasized. Wes, you asked about some other things that stood out uh, from what Marcus Satterfield said today in his press conference about Clemson. And um, I don't know if you hit on this before I got in. I was a little late, obviously. There were a couple other things that stood out to me. One of them was that, you know, Marcus Satterfield is not coached against Brent Venables in a game yet. But he said that Clemson wants you to be simple because they can stop simple. And so they've been really focused in, hyper-focused, I think is the word that he's used, he used in the press conference, um, you know, hyper-focused on communication because they wanted to be complicated enough to play against this defense. Now, some fans may start going, oh, my God, when they hear that. But I do wonder, like, I wonder what that means. I, I honestly don't have the answer. When you think of complicated, I think some fans are automatically, and even me, I, you know, you automatically think, okay, based on what we've seen this year and some of the talk from early in the season about the offensive system that's persisted, I'm not sure. Do you want complicated? Like, I, I don't know if you want to overcomplicate things. If anything, maybe they've pared some things down, dialed some things back. But it is a good point that what we've typically seen work against Clemson most years or most games where they've given up some points has been something that's been a little bit more off the wall. You can even think like think of the year that Pitt put in that shovel pass and just destroyed Clemson with it. You remember that? Um, I think that was 2016. You think about even the game that Carolina lost by three touchdowns, but they came out, Jake Bentley, Brian McClendon, passed the ball all over the place and put up, what, 500 yards of offense. That was something different because it was tempo and it and it affected Clemson. So there is something to be said in a track record of maybe you need to do something different. Now, one year in Carolina to offset Clemson um, stealing signals and things like that, they were going to the sideline. Well, that didn't work very well because they didn't really execute it. So there's both sides to it. But I, that caught my attention because it just added another layer to me of, you know, are there going to be any differences in South Carolina's approach? And then from a scheme and play calling standpoint, what does that mean in terms of trying to be a little bit more complicated and mixing some things up? I don't know the answer, but I thought it was interesting that he said it. Yeah, well, and I think, Chris, um, yeah, com- complicated is a scary word for people, um, ba- you know, based on what they've seen this year. And but but you know man Clemson just does things they're they're a little bit different because if you think about it a lot of teams if they have a ton of talent on defense sometimes they'll say hey I'm just going to out talent you I'm going to rush for like like and, and there's nothing wrong with this when a lot of South Carolina's great defenses when Ellis Johnson was here and they had studs across the board you know, he, he's going to bring four most of the time. Sometimes you'll bring five. You're not going crazy with it, right? And that's kind of always, in my opinion, been a trend. A lot of defenses, if, if you have studs, you, you know, you've heard defense coordinators say it. Hey, we can get there just rushing four. And that is like music to a defensive coordinator's ears. I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to scheme all this stuff up. So... Venables is like the opposite of that approach. He says, 
Well, most of these teams that bring a ton of extra pressure and blitzers and all this different exotic stuff, they probably don't have the talent just to sit back and and play defense and play base. Well, Renable says, I can out-talent you, but I'm also going to just be uber-aggressive to you. And his talent, I feel like, at times makes him right. Like, his defense will make him right. But it also, it sort of, it almost like liberates him to be like, I'll call anything on any down. And my my guys are going to go make a play for me. Because you as an offense, you never get comfortable at all. And, and that so that, that's been to me his MO. And some sometimes you try to do so much great. Like like you said, dude, that that was the perfect example of both sides of trying to do something different. One side was a disaster. I mean, I I I can still etch, like I have it etched in my brain, Bentley jogging over to the sideline, putting his helmet, you know, them like talking into his into his helmet, jogging back. The play clock is ticking down. <laughs> running the running a play for no, not much yardage. <laughs> right. Then having to jog back over there. Yeah, that that was the same game I think Wes where wasn't that the game where it was like they had like a third and one one time and they were like, screw it, we're going to throw the ball. And just, I think they actually converted it. But I think that was the same game. Yeah. So then, then the, the other one, as you said, that, that's, that's, the best, that's the best game plan of Brian McClendon's career as, as a play caller. And, and it, was, it was tempo, but it was various tempos. It was, we're going to run up there, snap the ball. We're going to run up there, look to the sideline, pretend we're going to change the play, then snap. How, how many big plays did South Carolina get that game mm-hmm. by snapping? You know, we, we talk about off-platform throws. That was off-tempo snaps. Like, it was yeah. off-tempo from what a normal tempo would be. It wasn't just literally show tempo. It was vary your tempo. I mean, that was a master class in, in varying tempo. And that, that honestly is as – they lost by three touchdowns. That was as good of a chance as South Carolina had to win a game against Clemson during the, the Muschamp era. So I, I don't I don't know what the answer is. I I think the fact South Carolina does South Carolina already is a huddle team mm-hmm. that helps a little bit with the whole you know the signal stealing as some people will say. Now they have been more of a huddle, get to the line. Um look to the sideline team lately. So you do you do have to be smart about how you signal in your plays. And I, I think, Chris, the, the answer, I, I believe that SAD is basically saying they they want you to get simple. They want you to to scrap a lot of your plays and say, we can't do this against them. And they want to put you in a box, basically, because then they then they know your tendencies, they know what you're doing. And I think what he's probably trying to say, not that you have to do a, a ton more and get super complicated, but you can't let Clemson put you down, like grind you down to this, you know, 10, 10 plays and, and you have no choice but to run those 10 things. I, I think it's you, – you've got to keep trying to do what you do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Clemson's typically under Brent Venables. They've been the aggressor. They're the one making people uncomfortable with what they do stylistically. I mean, that he'll he'll just say he's totally different in what he does. First of all, he's he's on the sideline, which some OCs and some DCs do, but he's down on the sideline and he's not looking at a play card. He just calls it, just based on feel, really. And when Clemson has gotten in trouble, it's when they've struggled with tempo when they haven't gotten the plays in on time, that was a huge thing. That was, that was a big reason the McClendon tempo thing worked is because Clemson was often not even set. I mean, didn't even have their defensive play call in. So you have to find a way to make them uncomfortable with how they're doing things. You need to force Clemson into being, maybe you force them into feeling like they need to be a little bit more base, right? Because then you've got a better chance. But if you're getting in third and longs, 
where they can uncork these crazy pressure packages. I mean, drop their entire D line and bring only linebackers. And I mean, stuff that Venables likes to do, then you can get yourself into trouble because they're going to be rolling, you know, they're going to roll their safeties into a different coverage and they were pre-snap. They're going to bring all this eye candy at you and it's going to potentially overwhelm your offensive front and your quarterback. And that's when the big time negative plays happen. Sacks, fumbles, interceptions, bad decisions. That's what you got to stay away from. So South Carolina has to find a way, uh, whether it's their tempo, their play calling, their scheme, and, and frankly, just their execution. They got to find a way to try to put the Clemson defense on its heels. And those guys, I mean, for all the talk about Clemson's offense this year, and they haven't been as good as anticipated, no doubt. I still think that's the biggest question about this game. Can Carolina move the ball and can they score some points? No doubt, man. This this Clemson defense still really, really good. Um, Carolina offense still, as we've said, ha- has some some things to desire. So how how many? We, we've talked about this for several games. Where where can how how many points can South Carolina realistically hold Clemson to, and how many points can South Carolina realistically score? on Saturday night. And I'm not talking about necessarily like the one outlier, sort of like we talk about if you play 10 games, like get if South Carolina scores 21 points, is that enough to, to go win this game? If South Carolina scores 24 points, is that enough to go win this game? I don't think you can, I don't think you can assume South Carolina can score much more than that. In my opinion, like I, I think twenty. I think the thirty-one. Probably not happening. Twenty-eight. Probably pretty tough to expect that. Um, I I tend to think you're going to need another defensive or special team score for South Carolina, or at the very least, Chris, a a defensive or special teams play that puts you in direct position to go score a touchdown. Um, I think I think it has to be if Carolina's gonna win a twenty-four to twenty-one type game. Uh that's how it has to play out, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean if, if, now every game's different, but you look at Clemson this year and what they've done, it's hard to use the Georgia game as an example. That was ten to three. There was not an offensive touchdown by either side. Georgia's only touchdown was on a pick six. And Georgia's defense, as we know, is completely insane, bonkers. Um, that there's no other team on Carolina's schedule that would approach Georgia's defense, and same with Clemson. Neither of these defenses, even Clemson, which has a really good defense, won't approach that level. Clemson's other two losses, Wes, uh, what they've given up in losses, 27 points is what the other team got done. Now, Pitt, 27-17. And then the other loss was in double overtime to NC State, and that was 27-21. to 21. And then Clemson's been in some other low-scoring affairs throughout the year. You know, they beat Boston College 19-13. to 13. They beat Syracuse 17-14. to 14. They gave up 20 and then 24 to Florida State and Louisville back-to-back weeks and scored 30. So I think what you're hitting on is a pretty good mark. If you can – yeah, 28 is going to be tough. But if you can get to that 24 mark – get to that 27 mark you're gonna have a chance and of course you're gonna have to play well on defense on top of that because when Clemson's lost it's been obviously lower point outputs for them offensively too yeah and you're I mean to to use Chris's word of the year or phrase of the year I mean you're you're have you're gonna have a small margin for error in in any of these games but to me I'm I'm trying to think of what what point to what point total like threads the needle for South Carolina to where it's high enough that you feel like South Carolina's um, offense could probably get there, but low enough um, on the other side that you feel like South Carolina could realistically hold Clemson to. You know, we were talking to some friends earlier today. Clemson has played much better offensively the last few weeks. But, I mean, Wake, Wake Forest has really given up big points to a lot of teams. So how, how much credit do you give Clemson? You have to give them credit, of course, but how much credit is that? How much is it that 
they've improved that much and how much of it is just a matchup thing. Every single week, football is about matchups. And um, is that just the fact Wake Forest has given up plenty, you know, plenty of points on, on a lot of teams? So I, I don't know. We'll find out on Saturday. Um, before we go any further, Chris, you want to tell everybody about some dead Soxy? Let's tell the people about it. And we don't have an updated banner, but we do have an updated sale from Dead Soxy. So go check out the early Black Friday sales going on for a few more days. DeadSoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. You're still more than welcome to use the promo code Taki. That'll get you 25% off. But Dead Soxy can actually do a lot better than that right now. Buy one, get one free. That applies to bundles. Uh, if you're on the stream, you see in that bottom left-hand corner, that'd be an example of a bundle of a whole bunch of socks together. Or individual socks. Just make sure you have the items in your cart before checkout. Put in the promo code BOGO, B-O-G-O. Get buy one, get one free off Dead Soxy. Huge catalog of men's and women's socks. They do an awesome job. Buttery soft feel. Pat did no slip technology. Check out DeadSoxy.com. Use the pro code, not pro code, B-O-G-O at checkout. You ready for Thanksgiving, Chris? Man. I'm so ready. I was listening to the guys on 107.5 on the way back, just seeing what they had going on. They were talking about dressing or stuffing, if you don't call it the correct name. And I've heard some mac and cheese talk today. I've seen a lot of social media talk. I'm very ready. I'm having two, not one, but two, like big, like the meal, because I'll I'll be traveling to be in Columbia tomorrow morning-ish. And then in the afternoon or evening, up with my folks in the upstate and upstate and Anderson. So some, you know, sometimes you have like the one big meal. I got to fit in two. So I'm a little yeah, nervous. I'm I'm fitting in multiples as well. Okay, so dre- dressing or stuffing? I was dressing for sure. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank yep. you. Oh, yeah. Mike Mike Yuva. Oh well. Who, uh, by the way, was just calling me. I'm hoping Mike was calling me to apologize for being incorrect on Twitter when he said that it was called stuffing. I don't Probably. know what that Yankee, Probably. you know what is that's that ain't working down here, Mike. Um, so I don't know if y'all saw this on Twitter, but the the folks in the wonderful state of Utah at Fox Thirteen News, Utah, I'm convinced that they think this is April Fool's Day or something. <laughs> Because there's no way anybody can convince me that this is real. Although I will give them credit for for the clicks because I'm sure this thing has gone viral. Apparently, Chris, in Utah, and y'all know how I feel about cranberry sauce. But Chris, you also know how I feel about pickles. Um, There is a cranberry and pickle pie. Mm-hmm. Um. So, for those of you on the video version, I'm apologizing in advance for what I'm about to do. Um, I'm gonna put this up on the screen. So, I want to know first of all, somebody somebody puts this on the table at Thanksgiving, Chris. Everybody in the chat as well. Come on, you know, give me your answer. You trying this? Chris? Nope. Okay. Here, all the had already formulated my opinion. I'm sorry, I blacked out for a second looking at it. Um, here, here's the all right. Then here's the next question. Nope. How much cash money would you have to get to eat? Let's say a slice, not even the whole thing. To eat a full slice, you have to eat the whole slice. Okay. Um. People saying, "What is that?" I don't know, y'all. According to Fox 13 News Utah, it is exactly what it looks like, a cranberry and pickle pie. So I have a question, follow-up. Are those pickle? are those dill or kosher pickles, or are they like the sweet and sour or bread and butter pickles? Yeah, you're asking the wrong one. They look look like, based on texture, because I'm a pickle expert, um, they look like kosher dills, like hamburger chips. I need to know though, because that does affect my decision. Sweet pickles, Wes. Uh, you wouldn't know this because you don't like any pickles. Sweet pickles are vile. Um, they are awful. 
uh, SC Scout guy on the Primal Gourmet chat line has the same uh, same question. Are they deal or bread and butter? <sighs> I, dude, I'm more worried about the cranberry than the pickles almost. That, that just doesn't. Oh. That's bad, isn't it? That's bad. Um, Mark will do it for $21.75. Mark. It's a very specific number. Um, Dude, all it is is one slice. I'm I'm with you. I mean, it's not – I mean, I would – I almost said earlier that I would try it just because out of just sheer morbid curiosity, but then I'm like, man, that's gross. I mean, I would do it for not – you wouldn't have to – 100 bucks. Oh, God, not even a question. I'd eat – I'd eat more than a slice for a hundred bucks. Yeah. Okay. Now, if it's sweet pickles, all right, my, my one day remember price. that y'all all witness this. Yeah, if it's sweet pickles, my price might go up. Sweet pickles are awful. Not a real pickle. Some kind of Travis says it's better than ranch. You are insane, my Travis friend. Travis is going to be banned from the uh, primal gourmet take, chat. Take those takes out of the chat, man. Um. All right, I, I think I, – I don't know. I, I was going to have a Thanksgiving, like, meal. We, everybody got the meals last year. We told we told them about the meals. Mm-hmm. Y'all know I'm still pro-cranberry, but I'm not pro-cranberry and pickles together. Um, SC Scout guy said they would – he would eat the entire pie in a day if it meant Carolina would beat Clemson. I think there's probably a lot of people on here that would feel the same way. For sure. Yeah. All right. I, I think I don't know, man. I, I thought that was gonna be a cool segment, but it kind of just zapped it out of me, to be honest. That thing's you disgusting. Killed the vibe. It was a good discussion, then you killed the vibe. John Wilson for some reason wants to know if I drink a quart of shine for a hundred dollars. Absolutely not. No. Over no. over how much time, you know? I mean, I'm assuming he's not talking about like a year or something, which is what I would need. So, um, yeah, I'm good on that. I'm out on that. Don't, 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 that, that's not a valid offer. All right, y'all. I think we're going to get out of here. Um, sorry for the end of the show. That was just bad. I give myself a D. Um, <laughs> y'all enjoy your Thanksgiving. We will not have a show on Thursday. We will have a show at some point on Friday, um, assuming that we recover. Um, I'm gonna try to get a, a pickle and cranberry pie shipped to Chris mm-hmm. along with 100 bucks so that we can watch him try it right here on air. Um, otherwise, seriously, appreciate the support. Y'all enjoy your Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll talk to y'all on Friday. See you for officers in the UI Department of Public Safety. It's core to our values to foster a safe and inclusive campus environment. We offer paid training and generous benefits, including 12 hour shifts, self scheduling retirement, and more. Our passion is fueled by the relationships we build with our students, faculty, and community. It's not only about being a resource and educating others, but supporting the Hawkeyes of today, tomorrow, and years to come. Help us make our community hashtag HawkeyeSafe. Apply today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.